If you're going to put something on social media, would you uh, use the hashtag WhoIsGod so we can see what you uh, post? And if you would like sermon notes, uh, use the email address that you see on the screen. So in this sermon series, we are asking the question, who is God? It is impossible to answer that question without talking about the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, This church is a Trinity Church. We believe in the Trinity. God the God the God the Holy Spirit. You have to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity. And doctrine is very, very important. The doctrine of the Trinity is the greatest Christian distinctive, different really from all other faiths. Islam does not believe in the Trinity. I'm not here to pick on anybody or offend anybody. I'm just telling you the facts. Unitarianism does not believe in the Trinity. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Jews in general do not believe in the Trinity. Trinitarians believe that we serve one God. We are not uh, polytheistic in that we serve three gods. We are monotheistic. Boy, y'all can really sound smart at lunch today if you'll use those two words. Mono meaning what? One. Poly meaning many. We are monotheistic. We serve one God, but he expresses himself in three persons. And uh, of course, as we've already said, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible says we're made in the image of God. I want to tell you that that does not mean you look like God. I've looked at some of you. I'm confident that's true, (laughs) that we do not look like God. When it says we're made in the image of God, it means we are Trinitarians as well. We are a Trinity. We are body, we are mind, and we are spirit. And uh, so we're a Trinity. Um, the Trinity is one of those mysteries of the Bible. You know, God is not, uh, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Father is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, but they're all God. All of them are God. It's like an apple. The peeling is not the core. The flesh is not the peeling. The core is not the flesh, but they're all Apple, thank you, three people, God. They're all apple, absolutely. All right, so deep stuff right there today. Pastor preached on fruit today. Today we're going to talk about the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ. Christian apologist John Blanchard has estimated that in all of time, all of the people who ever lived, past and present, there have been about 30 billion people who have lived here on this planet, 30 billion. Of those 30 billion people, very few of them have had uh, any major effect on human history. But there's one person who has lived on this earth who stands out unique above all the rest, and his name is Jesus. That one person, Jesus Christ, has attracted a greater combination of attention, devotion, criticism, adoration, and opposition than any other person on the face of the earth. Every 
recorded word of Jesus Christ, every recorded word he ever spoke has been studied, sifted, analyzed for generations by theologians, philosophers, and historians. And right now, at this very moment, as we sit here in this room, multiplied millions of people around the world are studying the words of Jesus Christ. He is Jesus of Nazareth. He existed on this earth some 2,000 years ago. He preached and taught in a little land called Israel. The birth of Jesus has divided all of time into two parts, B.C., before the birth of Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, or Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, since his birth. So his birth divides all of time. So far as we know, Jesus Christ never wrote a book, but more books have been written about him than any person in all of history. So far as we know, he never painted a picture, he never wrote a poem, he never wrote any music, he never uh, created a sculpture, yet his life has been an inspiration for more music and art and films and literature than any other person in history. He never raised up up an army, yet throughout the history, millions of people have laid down their lives for him. He never traveled very far from that tiny little area where he walked, yet his influence is worldwide. He never spoke to more than a few thousand people at one time during his brief three years of earthly ministry, yet today, one-third of the population of this earth claims to follow this one man, Jesus. And no one can claim to be educated who does not understand who Jesus is. Kenneth Scott Latterette, a noted Christian historian, said this, Jesus Christ has done more has had more effect on the history of mankind than any other human being. To explain Jesus is impossible. To ignore Jesus is disastrous. To reject Jesus is fatal. His words are too limited, or our words are too limited to describe him. Our mind is too small to comprehend him, and our hearts are not adequate to fully contain him. Who is this Jesus? Who is this God-man? Let's go to the book of Philippians today. It'll be up on the screen We're going to use the New King James Version, so I feel relatively safe that if Jesus comes, we'll go to heaven. (laughs) Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let bridge, Pharaoh Hardison, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. If you make that claim and it's not true, you are either a liar or a lunatic, or you are Lord. And when he said, I am equal with God, he was telling the truth because he is Lord. But made of himself no reputation, 
taking on the form of a bondservant, listen to this, and coming to this earth in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Because he was obedient, because he went to the cross, because he did what his father sent him to do, therefore, God the Father has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is not just a good man, not just a good teacher, not a good philosopher. This is not who Jesus is. He is Lord to the glory of God the Father, who is Jesus. I'm going to give you some things today. I'm not going to tell you how many. It would scare you. So I want you to get ready. Can y'all listen fast? Because that's what holds us up. I can put it out there, but if you can't listen fast enough, you're the one who makes the sermons long. Number one, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is the supernatural Son of God. He is the supernatural Son of God. Philippians 2, 6 through 7, what did it say? Who being in the form of God in heaven, he was God in heaven, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no rep reputation, here it comes, taking the form of a bondservant and coming to the earth as one of us. He came to the earth in the likeness of men. Why do I call Jesus, the supernatural Son of God, because Jesus came to the earth in human form. He did. He came in new human form. However, he was not conceived like any other child. Jesus was born supernaturally to a virgin. Now look what the Bible says in Isaiah 7 and 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. What does that mean? God with us. That's hard to believe for us, isn't it? I mean, as a human, apart from our faith, how could we believe Jesus is born of a virgin? i got to tell you, you really don't have to feel bad about that. It was hard for Mary to believe. I mean, when the angel told her she was going to conceive a child but not have relations with a man, she said this. It's in the Bible. Say what? That's what she said. It's in the Bible. She had a hard time believing it. She said, you remember the question she asked? How can this be? And she was a woman of great faith. And the angel replied so beautifully in Luke 1, For with God, come on. Somebody needs that verse today. Somebody sitting right here, right now, needs that verse today. For with God, come on. Nothing shall be, what? Impossible. If you've got difficulty with the virgin birth of Jesus, and I want to tell you something... I had a talk to a preacher uh, one time who was educated at a Christian college not too far from here. And he told me that they had taught him that the virgin birth 
did not happen and was not necessary to believe. I want to tell you something. That right there will send you to a place you don't want to go. If you have difficulty with the virgin birth, what you actually have difficulty with is the omnipotence of God, the all-powerfulness of God. Jesus could not have been the son of Adam like we are because had he been the son of Adam like we are, he would have had a sin nature. And so his death on the cross would have meant no more than had you died on the cross. If you doubt the virgin birth, you've got some major character problems. Number one, you have a problem with the character of the Word of God because you're saying the Bible isn't true. Number two, you have a major problem with the character of Mary because you're suggesting that unmarried Mary had relations with a man having a baby making her guilty of the sin of fornication. If you have a problem with the character of the virgin birth, or you have a problem with the virgin birth, and you have a problem with the character of Jesus himself, because if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he was born illegitimately and has a sin nature. And if you doubt the virgin birth of Jesus, then your biggest character problem is yourself. Because to doubt the virgin birth of Jesus Christ means you have no real hope of heaven. You remember when Jesus was 12 years old and he was in the temple talking to the, the philosophers and the scholars and the educated people and the theologians? You remember that? I kind of was thinking about, I know this isn't in the Bible. This is Pharaoh Hardison, chapter 6, verse 7. But, you know, I just wonder what he would have said if one of those theologians had said, young man, how old are you? You know what Jesus probably would have said to him? He'd have said, well, on my mama's side, I'm 12 years old, but on my daddy's side, I'm older than my mama and the same age as my daddy. <laughs> Here's what those Jews' heads would have done. Jesus is the supernatural Son of God. Amen. Because He was born of an earthly virgin mother and His heavenly Father, and He took upon Himself the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of men. Number two, Jesus is not only the supernatural Son of God, He is the sinless Son of God. Philippians 2, 8, and being found in appearance as a man, come on, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death. And I love that the Bible included this next phrase because it means that the death of the cross, and we talked about that on Easter, is like no other death. He said he was obedient unto death, even the horrible death of the cross. I want you to focus in on that word obedient. One day Jesus said, I always do those things that please the Father. Can you say that? I can't. I can't say that. I don't always do things that please the Father. I love that God the Father said of Jesus at his baptism, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Why was he pleased? Because he was sinless. His son was sinless. Jesus always pleased the Father because he was perfect. He was the sinless Son of God. Look at Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest. I love this. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted. Come on. Jesus was in all points 
How many? Tempted as what? We are. Come on with those last three words. Yet. Sinless. The sinless son of God. Satan tempted him. But Satan never won. He never won in his battles with Jesus. Uh, not a single victory over the Lord. All of the artillery of hell was aimed at Jesus, but Satan still had no trophies he could display on his mantle. I like that, don't you? Since Jesus is the supernatural son of God, then that makes him the sinless son of God, and that leads us to the fact that Jesus is the sovereign son of God. That word meaning all-powerful, all-powerful. Philippians 2 and 6 says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Right there is the foundation of the Trinity. That Jesus was God in flesh. Jesus is not only the Son of God, because the Bible actually refers to us who know Him as our Lord and Savior as children or sons of God. But he was God, God the Son. God the Son. Hebrews 1.8. But to the Son, listen, this is, a, this is a deep verse right here, so I want you to just kind of slow down and drink it in. But to the Son, he the Father said, God the Father said this to the Son. Your throne, oh, come on. So he's talking to who? Jesus. This is God the Father talking to Jesus, and he calls Jesus God. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. There's that sinlessness. In the scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. Jesus is the Son of God, and this is what angered the Jews in his day because it did not fit their narrative it did not fit their theology. So one day Jesus was debating the Jews. I love this story. And they said to him with a sneer on their face and condescension in their voice, we know who we are. We are sons or descendants of Abraham. The inferring here or the inference here was that Jesus didn't know who he was. Jesus didn't know who his daddy was. Jesus, actually they were inferring, you're illegitimate. You don't even know who your daddy is. But Jesus answered them, and boy, their brains went. <laughs> Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, I'm telling you, buddy. They were, the Greek word for the Jews was ticked off. <laughs> Don't miss what Jesus said here now that made them so angry. He was saying, I am, come on, God. I am God. He claimed to be God. I am is the most sacred name for God the Jews knew. As a matter of fact, when Moses was attempting to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, Moses said, hey man, hey God, I need some credentials. Who can I tell Pharaoh sent me? I mean, I, I'm nobody. Matter of fact, Moses had a speech impediment. He said, they're going to mock me. They're going to laugh at me. I mean, Mo, uh, God, who do I tell Pharaoh? Yul Brenner. 
Who do I tell Pharaoh? Who, what do I, I mean, he's going to ask who sent me. What do I say? God said, Moses, you tell Pharaoh with all his silly gods that I am sent you. So in John 8, 58, Jesus was saying, in essence, you Jews are bragging about being descendants of Abraham. Before Abraham was, I was. Can I tell you something about Jesus? He always has been. He is and he always will be because he is the great I am. I was here before Abraham. Man, don't you, wouldn't you love to have been there and just seen their faces I was here before Abraham. I am eternal God in the flesh. It would be like being at a dinner party and the guy who walked on the moon is there. And he's very, very quiet and everybody's bragging about their exploits and he just goes, I walked on the moon. <laughs> Everybody else is shut down. And y'all know where I got that joke from if you know my good friend Brian Regan. One day the disciples said, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. L listen now. They had seen all these miracles Jesus had done. They had heard his teaching. And finally, and they still didn't believe. They said, I tell you what, man. I tell you what. I tell you what, Jesus. Just show us the Father and then we'll believe. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've come on. Jesus is the supernatural son of God, and being the supernatural son of God, he is the sinless son of God, making him the sovereign son of God. And that brings us to number four. Jesus is the sacrificial son of God. Philippians 2.8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Here comes the sacrifice to the point of death. He gave his life, even the death of the cross. The death of Jesus was not incidental. The death of Jesus was not accidental. Jesus did not die a victim, nor did he die a martyr. Listen to me, Jesus gave his life. He surrendered his life in obedience to the Father that you and I might be saved, that you and I might have eternal life. The necessity of Jesus' death was in the heart and mind of God the Father before the planet Earth was ever created. As a matter of fact, in Revelation 3.8, and this isn't going to come up on your screen, so write that down, Revelation 3.8, the Bible says Jesus was slain before the creation of the world. In the mind of God, Jesus had to give his life even before he made the Earth. Follow me now, this is important. Jesus had to be the supernatural son of God, born to a virgin so he could be the sinless son of God, making him the sovereign son of God so he could serve us as the sacrificial son of God and pay for our sins and give to us life and save us. Look at Acts 20 and 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now that's a word to the church right there, but this, is, this next thing is about Jesus. We're called to shepherd the church of God. That's not the denomination, although I love that denomination. To shepherd the church of God, which he, who? Jesus did what? Purchased. 
with his own blood. But now let us go to number five. I'm doing good, aren't I? It's not even 10 o'clock. And I didn't look at my watch. I perceived it. Jesus is the what? Come on. Surviving Son of God. And we talked about this at Easter. They humiliated him. They tortured him. They nailed him to a cross. And hell rejoiced and cried out, He is finished. And Jesus said, No, it is finished. It is finished. The Father's plan had been carried out. Jesus had paid the sin debt. Look in Philippians 2.9 now. Therefore, God, therefore. So when you read a verse in the Bible, it starts with therefore. You've got to read the part before it. Because it's already given you a whole bunch of information. And it's saying since that's true, then. You with me? Therefore, because he died, because he died, even the death of the cross, since he did that obediently, since he did that willingly, therefore God the Father has what? Highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Death lost. Life won. Jesus rose from the dead. I tell you this morning, he is the surviving Son of God. C.S. Lewis. I'll take that. C.S. Lewis. Jesus forced open a door that had been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten back the king of death. Everything is different because of what Jesus has done. Somebody say praise God. Who is Jesus? He's the soon coming Son of God. Don't leave me up here now. He's the soon coming Son of God. Who's getting homesick for heaven? Anybody? I know some of y'all are going, man, we're having a pool put in. I'd like to swim in that for. <laughs> He's the soon coming Son of God. Philippians 2, 10 through uh, 9 through 11, actually. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Here it comes. That at the name of Jesus, it's talking about the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. There is coming a day when every knee will bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you hear what I said? Every knee's going to bow. I mean, you can bow now or bow later. Y'all seen that commercial? Pay me now or what? Pay me later. You can bow today or you can wait till it's too late. But everybody's going to bow. You're all going to bow. They tell me Lady Gaga worships Satan. Well, one day she'll bow on her knees and say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Everybody who has ever lived, everybody who is living, will bow one day when he returns and say, Jesus is Lord. You might as well do it today. This tells us, these verses that I've read, tell us that Jesus is coming soon. But this time he won't come like a baby in a manger. This time he will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will set up his kingdom on this earth and he will reign forevermore. 
on the day of his return, every knee will bow. Acts 1.11 says, and this is the angels talking, Jesus, it's right there at the beginning of the book of Genesis, uh, book of uh, Acts, and I know you could tell that when I said chapter 1. Anyway, the angel said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. I want you to get this. Very soon, the precious feet of Jesus that lifted from the Mount of Olives to ascend into heaven, those same feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. Those same feet that lay in the manger straw in Bethlehem. Those same bare feet that walked among the wood shavings in Joseph's carpenter shop. Those sandaled feet that walked the dusty shores of Galilee. Those miracle feet that walked on the water. Those nail-pierced feet that hung on the cross dripping with blood. Those glorified feet that rose from the dead and later ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives are the same feet that will come again and they will crush, this time, the serpent's head. Jesus will literally return to the earth one day and you would be a fool not to believe it. Number seven. And finally, don't clap. Philippians 2 and 8, we find that Jesus is the saving Son of God. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Let me ask you something. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus die? And why did Jesus rise from the dead? The Bible says in Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man has come for this purpose, to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. John 14, 10, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Listen to this next sentence. And this is what messes people up. This is what makes people angry. Listen, the very same thing that made those Jews angry at him to hang him on a cross. It makes, this is what makes people angry today. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not a good way to heaven. Jesus is not the best way to heaven. Jesus is the only way. To heaven. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I am a truth. He said, I am the truth, the way, the life. Good news for you. He will save anybody. He will save anybody. That's good news for me. Because, I mean, if you had to be special to be saved, I wouldn't be a pastor of the bridge. He'll save anybody. You need him. You need Jesus. Jesus is my best friend. 
There's no one he will not save. There's no one he cannot save. The little children say Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Let me tell you this about him. Humpty never knew Jesus. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, I don't care if your life is in shambles this morning. He'll put it back together. He'll put your life back together because he is the saving son of God. Jesus is the, you know, I think about Jesus. He's always fixing things. Even when he was a child, he fixed things. He, he worked in the carpenter shop where things were created and things were repaired. And that's all Jesus has ever done is create and repair. He wants to recreate you. He wants to fix you today. Thank God the Father for Jesus the Son. He loves you. He wants to save you. Would you stand with me?